This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning! The following podcast contains adult language, adult content, weird and unusual stories that all happen to be true. We didn't start this war on safety, but we're going to fight that safety war and we're going to win it. Safety in the News for October 31st, 2021, today on Safety Wars. Happy Halloween to everyone who celebrates it. And have a nice, solemn All Saints Day for November 1st. A lot happened this week. A lot of very significant things happened this week over at OSHA and in safety. Number one, everyone's talking about this. The U.S. Senate has confirmed Doug Parker to lead the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Parker will serve as the 13th Assistant Secretary of Labor and will take over for Acting Ocean Administrator Jim Frederick. So, basically the vote was along partisan lines, but let's uh, face it, we haven't had a real head of OSHA since 2017. For whatever reason, and we won't relive history, uh, there was not one during Trump's administration. Hopefully we'll have someone at the head of OSHA who's able to inspire leadership, who will help protect workers and will also not hurt business. Not that OSHA really hurts business, it's good business to, uh, you know, not have her workers hurt, but there's a perception that when one party is in, it costs businesses because of OSHA. I don't know, you look at the numbers, they seem pretty not statistically significant from one administration administration to the other. So, number one. Number two, OSHA publishes its advanced notice of proposed rulemaking for heat stress. So this past week, we had OSHA say, hey, we're going to address heat stress, and we're looking for input on a heat stress standard. This standard, if it goes along with many of the other standards we've seen lately, is going to apply to pretty much all industries. So it's really in your best interest to go and find this out online. You could go online to OSHA and actually, uh, through a couple of other federal websites, issue what your comments are on this. Right? So years ago before the internet. Stuff would come out in the Federal Register. We had no access to it, basically. If you were an average person, an average Joe or Jane on the street, you didn't know when any of this stuff was coming out. There'd be something and you out, and all of a sudden it comes, and you, you know, there was like, whoa, where did that come from? And you had to be very specialized, and you, re- and you, want, and you real, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Relied on your experts in the field to tell you what, about this stuff. Now with the internet, and the advent of, I believe it's Thomas.gov, which is the House of Representatives site where they put out all their information on, and the Senate has another one. And that was all in the mid-90s when the internet came out, that this was all put online and all the other government businesses were put online. Now we have the ability to go and find out all about this stuff. So I'm gonna really encourage everybody to go there, all of my listeners, all of my viewers, all of my supporters, whatever we're calling you this week, everybody go over and make Issue some comments. Have some input on this. I had a situation several years ago where one of my clients got very upset because a new ANSI standard came out. And he's like, well, this ANSI standard came out. This is going to impact my business. Well, are you involved in the ANSI committees? No. Well, they were looking for input. Did you actually give out any input? No. Did you do this? No. Did you do that? No. Have you been following along and listening to my safety meetings and my emails, reading my emails saying, hey, this is coming down the pike? No. Well, then exactly how am I supposed to help? Well, no, I don't know what to tell you uh, on this. 
So this is one of those things that's going to impact all businesses that deal with heat and heat stress. I would encourage everybody to go and become involved in the process rather than complain about the process later on and the results. Something else that came out recently, and this is new information. This comes out every October uh, and co coincides with some safety organizations and some uh, safety conventions and things of that nature that happened in October, is the... 2021 current top 10 list of the most commonly cited OSHA safety violations for fiscal year October, uh, fiscal year 2021, which is October 2020 to September 2021. And this is basically what we go by in the safety industry for what our focus needs to be. Now, most of these things that really don't move out of this top 10 list, they move, may move around the top 10 list, but we're going to talk about this. And by the way, Safety Wars, we could be your consultant on any one of these things, and we could give input to your organization on any one of these things, so don't be afraid to contact us at jim at safetywars.com. So, this, the list of the top 10 reportedly accounts for about half the violations issued by OSHA. So, here we go. We'll start with number 12. Ooh, they said top 10 on this one, so they're actually giving 12. So, here we go. Number 12. 1910-303, electrical general requirements, 2,745 violations. Basically, working with electricity. Number 11, another electricity one, 1910-305. That's another general industry. Remember, 1910 general industry. 3,452 violations, again, dealing with electrical wiring methods. Number 10, and this is a relatively new one. This came up a couple years ago into the top 10, and everybody was actually really surprised. And it was in construction, 1926-102, eye and face protection. Number nine, machinery and machine guarding. General requirements, 29 CFR 1910.212, violations. And this is another one, number eight, that comes out throughout this, falls, right? Fall protection training requirements, 29 CFR 1926-503 with 1,743 violations. Number eight, uh, I'm sorry, number seven, powered industrial trucks. That's a fancy word for forklifts. All right, uh, powered industrial trucks. Sort of like hanging steel is a steel erection. Well, this is powered industrial trucks, general industry. 29 CFR, 1910-178. That's 2,093 violations they found. Next one, related to falls. Ladders in construction, 29 CFR, 1926-1053, and it is 2,345 violations. Respiratory protection, general industry, 29 CFR, 1910-134. This is one of the regulations that hits everybody uh, pretty equally, all the uh, organizations, because construction refers, says you have to go to 1910-134. Maritime says go to 1910-134, and so does agriculture. All focus in on 1910-134. It is 2,450 violations. Lockout tagout, aka control of hazardous energy. That's a general industry thing. However, there's a lot of lockout and tagout stuff that comes up in construction, uh, dealing with temporary power, power connections, things of that nature. It's 2,606. Scaffolding, general requirements in construction. That's number three. 29 CFR, 1926.451, it's 2,813. Hazard communication standard, general industry, 
29 CFR 1910-1200. That's number two. What does this mean? What is the HASCOM standard? It's real simple. You're out on a job site. It could be a workplace. It could be, uh, this is a general industry one in this one, but it could be a construction site also. And you go out there and you're supposed to do an inventory of all your chemicals and get safety data sheets and train your employees on how to protect themselves. Safety data sheets, as we all know, uh, include 16 different sections on safety information and use and first aid and emergency response and exposure limits and all that stuff goes into that. You also have to train your employees and you have to have proper labels on all your materials. And as you bring in new materials into the workplace, you have to have additional safety data sheets. And as you get rid of chemicals, you have to put the safety data sheets, keep them on file, maybe in an archive. So in case you need them at a later date, but that's basically it. It's actually no, I'm sh shocked. It's basically an easy thing to do, but the uh, companies don't like doing it. The other thing is, is that it helps you with some of the other OSHA regulations like housekeeping because you're getting rid of things as you need them and you're hopefully only buying things that you really need. Back when I was doing right to know inventories in the state of New Jersey, we had what was called baseline budgeting. We still do in municipalities and in many different levels of government where they would just buy materials. Uh, and they would just buy them because if they didn't use up their budget, then they would lose the budget for the next fiscal year. So what happens is they would just end up buying things and they'd ha and the inventories would get out of control. At a certain point, a lot of these materials have to be disposed of. Now you're going to go and dispose of them. And now that costs money because you can't dump them down the sink or the toilet like some state agencies used to do in New Jersey. Then you have, uh, so it's actually doing the HASCOM stuff protects you on so many different levels. Uh, housekeeping, disposal, respiratory protection requirements, other PPE requirements, engineering controls, that all goes into HASCOM. So it's really an important uh, regulation to comply with and to be on top of. Fall protection is number one, right? No big surprise here. It's always number one is fall protection in construction, 29 CFR 1926-501. It's uh, 6,010 violations. Now, a lot of these things are going down, the number of violations for many different reasons, the pandemics, uh, the pandem big pandemic, right, COVID, and administrations uh, out there trying to work with companies with environmental compliance or safety compliance versus uh, enforcement, right? And usually that's the difference. Uh, the injuries are pretty much held steady. So I don't know what's better one way or another. So in uh, uh, construction, Right. Anytime a worker is at a height of six feet or more, the worker is at risk and needs to be protected. So at six uh, feet or more in construction, you have to be protected either by a guardrail system. Hopefully, you know, you eliminate the fall, but you can get a guardrail system. PPE, meaning fall protection, is the last thing you want to deal with. In general industry, it's four feet. In shipyards, it's five. In other uh, uh, environments, it's four feet. So there's a lot of confusion with fall protection, but you don't need to be confused. You can call us for fall protection training and contact us at jim at safetywords.com. And there's a lot of other uh, training with it. Uh, hopefully we'll be doing stuff on YouTube in the near future on all that stuff. And you'll hear about it here. So that's safety in the news for October 31st, 2021. Happy Halloween for Safety Wars. This is Jim Pozel.
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.